Hey, Brad. Yes. Do you know how we fund the program going off track? I know exactly how we fund it. There's one source of income for us, and that is patreon.com slash going off track, where our loving patrons give us money and we give them bonuses. Patreon, stop making up words. (laughs) It's a great place. We do a weekly Thursday night fireside chat. Brad takes all the embarrassing things I say in podcasts that he doesn't put into podcasts and puts it on the Patreon. Funny pictures of Brad in the 90s, usually naked or wearing a wristband. Please sign up. Brad, what's the address? Patreon.com slash going off track. You know what I saw today? I saw... An Instagram clip of a really, really nice sounding hardcore band playing a show in Highland Park, New Jersey. (laughs) I just felt so good about it. I was like, ah, like music. Like, I love, you know, because we talk about this a lot and going off track. Like, I I make the attempt to not be the self-righteous old man, you know, (laughs) like, like, it's not that good music doesn't exist anymore. It's that I'm. 40 and I have kids <laughs> and the whole cool thing I used to do when I was a teenager and my early, like it's not there for me anymore. Right. And it's there for someone else. Yeah. So I hate when I hear these old people going like, Oh, that's not like it. I'm like, yeah, it's like it used to be <laughs> fucking old shit. Like it's just not like the thing you want. Exactly. Yeah. So I was really happy to see this like great, like the band sounded awesome as a killer breakdown, this cool looking room. Right in Highland Park. Wow. Like, you know what? Makes me feel good. Cool. And uh, there's a lot of Jersey references in this interview, isn't there? <laughs> As one might expect, there is a lot of Jersey references. I've well, Another Jersey reference, which I, I didn't make during the podcast, but it was funny because my story about the mas- you know, the mastering, like old. Yes. We were working at Sony Records and I went in and they were doing all the Frank Sinatra Ooh. back catalog for a box set. Cool. So I thought that that would have made a funny anecdote, considering that you like to think that I'm 40 years older than I really am. But, yeah, uh, well, I mean, listen, you're in your early 90s. You look great. <laughs> but I was excited yeah. about that, though. The That's amazing. I mean, well, the cool thing about that is like the same as the James Brown thing, which is like, I mean, these people got the most accomplished musicians in yeah. the world to play with them. So. Yeah. When you're taking these masters and you're isolating these tracks, I can imagine you heard amazing stuff. In so Prince they were just, they just had the two tracks masters. And I think, in fact, I asked him about that. And he said, you know, the only isolation they had was like band and vocal, which I mean, that would be pretty uh, cool too. Because like he right. said that a lot of that early Frank stuff was done on like three track wow. machines. That was like the format. And just these like pro players coming in, just doing the the backing stuff together being in like, like that mastering environment with those speakers where you can hear everything anyway. It's like, yeah, it's the same kind of, it's almost better really than isolating stuff because you can hear into the mix, you know? Yeah. I remember I got to, uh, when we recorded a record at Blackbird studios down in Nashville, right? they have one room there. I mean, all the rooms are gorgeous, but They have one room there that's known to be like just this acoustic powerhouse, you know, like designed in this like really unique way. The speaker is like, you know, behind you to the side of you to the front of you, this like full 
you know, uh, surround sound environment. Oh, is there probably their surround mastering room? That would yeah, be, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. That would and be then uh, and then they played um, Pink Floyd on there, right? Like you know, like we all got a little crispy, went in that room and listened to Money, yeah. You know, and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, there's a guitar to my left. Whoa, there's a cash register behind <laughs> me. You know, like like all this crazy shit. And I'm, it's really amazing once you start putting that stuff together. Oh, I love uh, that stuff, man. Yeah, well, you would. I'm sure that's the nerdiest <laughs> shit ever. Perfect for you. But Mikey was so kind to give us this time. As I talked about in the interview, I'd felt awful because I've known Mikey for ages. He's such an accomplished musician himself. But all I was hitting him up for was other people's mystery. Right. <laughs> you know, I'd done it like four times. And then we got to that Chris Gethard interview. And I was like, fuck. I need Mikey again, you know, like, like he's my, you know, my path here. I'd asked my friend, Kevin, he kind of only gave me anecdotal stuff. And I was like, I got to go to Mikey again. And he never hit me back. Right. And I was terrified that Mikey was mad. He'd had enough. I was like, Oh my God. He's like, no more mystery friend. (laughs) Always the bridesmaid, never the bride, you know? I was like, fuck, I got to make this up. So I'm glad we got to do this. And, so welcome to I the got... mystery friend episode. <laughs> yeah, there's a good like 30 minutes of great. But I mean, these are great tales. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Great tales. Yeah, great tales. it's fully worth so, it. I mean, if yeah. we had the time, we could just do the whole podcast of getting mystery friends, you know, with the right person. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I had more for Mikey. I know a lot of his crew. Well, <laughs> we'll just do another one. But uh, yeah, man, he's um, such a great player, such a great songwriter, as we talked about at the end, just like so immersed at all times in what he's doing that I just think like the sky's still the limit for Mikey. I feel like with someone with like just such a vast knowledge and experiential database that he has with music that he'll just be able to keep doing this forever and keep being able to be curious and get weird and write great songs and i don't know i'm just really excited to see where he goes from here you know yeah absolutely and and a fine human um <laughs> but i'm still i was i still the one thing that's hard for me to buy in this interview and I, I not to say mikey would mislead me in any way is i have such a hard time believing as a drummer you can listen to another drummer play drums on your song <laughs> and not have an idea, you know, not just be like, fuck that fill would be perfect. Oh, no, it's gotta absolutely. be hard to let go. Absolutely. I have ideas and I'm not a drummer, you know? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and you don't know how to say them. You're like, can you, can you maybe go? Which is what every guitar player says. You could be talking about a blast beat or like <laughs> syncopated jazz and the guitar player will be like, can you just go? Bah, 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 chi, chi, ki, ki, ki. Yeah, come like, on. What fucking noises are you even making? You should just you hear know? it from the guitar part, man. Can't yeah. you hear my rhythm guitar? I'm playing the drum part right here. You can't fucking get that. <laughs> you fucking people. You fucking people in your soundscapes. Get out of here. But anyway, let's get into this interview with Mikey because it was. There's 90 minutes of pleasure, and who wants to listen to me anymore, you know? It's going on Mikey, let me see if you know the answer to this, because I just found this out. Uh-huh. It's cool. What American city are the original manuscripts 
of Lord of the Rings? Where do they live? Um, you know, I feel like I knew this at some point. I feel like I've seen them. Ooh, Ooh really? I, I haven't like, seen them. I feel like I was at the place where they are, but I, I don't, I don't remember. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna feel very stupid in two seconds when you tell me. Well, the city is Algonquin for the good land. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're in Milwaukee, but I think it's because Marquette University was like a Jesuit college and he was a Jesuit and had some kind of like connection to the school. Huh. And that's how they went oh, up there. He was a Jesuit? Yeah. Wow. I believe so. Interesting. And in my recent research, are Jesuits like the coolest of the Christians? Uh, it seems like it. It's a good I question. Don't I don't know if any of them are cool. I mean, the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like their idea of like figuring out problems. Was it yeah. casuistry or something? You know, like you know? it's interesting. It's, it's a little more functional than like, ah, the devil is going to slap you with his dick. You know, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, that's Christian. That's normal Christian lore. That's so Christian. Seems more, seems more used. That is in it, right? Listen, I'm an Old Testament guy. You know that. Horowitz, you know? And then the devil strucketh Judah with his peni. <laughs> uh, Brad, I forget that you, because of your father and stuff, you probably have some weird my dad knowledge, taught at, My dad taught at a Jesuit college at Holy Cross in Worcester. Oh. And they didn't. Wait, they so didn't treat him. Too can you well. give me some insight then no, about the Jesuits I was, being the coolest of the Christians? No, they weren't cool to him. So, oh, but you know, he was <laughs> kind of. So maybe it's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Not, I guess none of them are cool. You're right, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on? Not much. Just uh, where are you? I'm. In, I'm at home. Nice on the old couch. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And how is it for the uh, busiest man in show business to? Uh, it's crazy to be getting busy again. Yeah. Once uh once once word got out I got vaccinated, I uh, I've I've had work again. <laughs> the calls started coming in. Yep. The back the Mikey phone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, what was it um you know, like uh what was your initial shutdown like and stuff? Were you were you going out were you trying to push um Push a new record like what kind of touring we, and stuff like that did you have to stop warriors had just finished uh a record and right. it, it came out the night that we started our tour with brian fallon oh i don't know if you've ever fuck, heard it right i don't know if you've heard this guy he's a pretty good pretty good songwriter i literally just got off the phone <laughs> to, to start this yeah. um yes yeah, so, oh and he says hi uh, i actually I, said i have six minutes to get on with mikey and he said tell mikey i said hi. awesome Hello to Brian Fallon. But um, <laughs> yeah, so we were, we, it, you know, the record literally came out that Friday. We played one show and then right. uh, popped, uh, popped, popped back home for, eight, uh, you know, 15 months or whatever it was. Yeah, just a little 15 uh, months. Yeah. And, you know, I, at the, right at the beginning, I was like, fucking cool. A couple week break finally. This is awesome. Right, right, <laughs> you know, right. Thinking that it was yeah, just... Yeah. Not going to last that long. And then here we are. What was, I remember at one point, I think it was like maybe like three or four months into it where I was like, oh, wow, this is now officially the longest I haven't played a show. Yeah. 
since I was like 12. What, what was That's, yours? That was the thing. Yeah. It was, I, I was realizing that since, you know, I, I could, I kind of consider my professional c- career, quote unquote, uh, <laughs> starting, uh, on the, the first dirt bike Andy tour I ever went on, which was in, in the year 2000. So, okay. Certainly within 20 years, in, in 20 years, that was the longest I'd ever gone without playing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I can, can't imagine I ever went more than a couple sure. weeks without playing a show or seeing a show. Did you like, uh, you know, in that time, did you, or do you feel because of that window you had that, that you were able to learn something about yourself, see something about yourself that you kind of hadn't been able to grab because of the constant movement? Yeah, I mean, I I certainly feel like I got to, um, uh, you know, just like on a personal note, I got to kind of check out my mental health situation. That was something right. something that I never really had. I always either just pushed it away or didn't have time to deal with it. Mm. Um, and so that that was cool. That was a cool thing to uh, to be able to <laughs> to address. I mean, you mean- was that like a, an individual performance or did you start doing, you know, getting into therapy and stuff like that? I just, that? I, you know, finally got to go to a doctor and, and, and see, yeah. and, you know, get, get some, uh, get some help, get some help, get some medication. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's been an eye opener. I had that's a cool. lot more time to actually, you know, I was super busy making solo music and writing solo right. records and, you know, getting that aspect of, you know, which was always, always on the back burner for me just because right. I was always going, 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 doing other things. And like, I don't really write on the road. So if I was on the road with Warriors or something, like I never really took the time to sit with a guitar and write songs. Is that because you're in like drum mode with Warriors or you're just not a tour writer? I'm just, I, I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of just need to have my own space and like, you know, just to be kind of alone with my, you know, thoughts and, and like a guitar yeah. to, to, to write songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually it was interesting. The, the last couple, the last few months, like, you know, my wife's been working from home. So I would just like take my like little backpacker guitar to the park and oh, just wow. write songs there that way. And that actually was better because it actually gave me, I was going somewhere to do something. It was almost like going to a job, oh, you know, like, right, right, right. and I had no other choice, but to sit and write this song that I came to write, you know, and that huh. actually became, I became pretty poly- prolific that way. Yeah. That's awesome. Wait, so was 2016, that was your first solo record? Like official? That, yeah. The first official album, solo album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, just from someone who's watched a lot of your career and, you know, the fact that you were known as the front person of the ergs are the front person right. of the ergs. Like, was there some kind of, like, was it like a punk rock guilt? Was there some kind of <laughs> scruple for you to like head out solo that it took a while to get over? No, I mean, it was, it really was just like when the ergs broke up, I, I really felt I needed a break from being the creative, per, uh, you know, this being the songwriter. Right. In the band, yeah, yeah. I just felt I was kind of sick of it. I kind of, I don't know, like, I, it's it's weird to think to think back on it and realize, like, maybe this wasn't the actual perception, but I perceived, like, the last Ergs record that, you know, it didn't 
do as well as we thought it was going to do from what I could, you know, from, from my perspective. And I was like, mm. you know, there's, there's a bit of like, well, am I even good at this anymore? Did I, have right, I already written right. all my good songs? You know, like, and, <laughs> sure. uh, and, um, yeah. And whenever I, I, you know, pretty, pretty shortly after the ergs, I, I, I was starting to get asked to play solo shows. Right. And, um, so I would just play erg songs and then every once in a while I'd come up with like a song or a single or something and I'll, I would do that. But I just never felt, I never felt, uh, you know, I guess I would kind of, I guess I would write songs and I would kind of just throw them away cause I didn't think they were good or whatever. But right. I, you know, I just never had the impetus to just sit down and make a record or, or, or collect more than just a couple of songs at a time. Were and, you kind of having a, like, I mean, of course, you don't have imposter syndrome as a player, but do you think you were having it like as a as a front person? Like I'm well, a singer songwriter. Is it just like a hard label to put on yourself? I, I mean, I, I was just talking to someone the other day about how like th- that was a, another thing that I took that that this year kind of I embraced myself as a singer songwriter, like act- uh, actually not feeling weird about calling myself that. Right. Uh, right. I guess like the the fact that like I just recorded what will be my fourth record. It's like okay, well yes. I've actually done this a few times now, and I, I yeah 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 <laughs> you're not a ro- yeah you're not a rookie yeah, like, yeah I can call yeah. myself a songwriter now yeah you're on your you're on your second <laughs> pro contract now. exactly yeah <laughs> right yeah so I mean that is that's something that that popped into my head the last you know yeah, in the last few sure. months of like okay I, man I think I I think I'm doing this I guess <laughs> do you think it maybe took like a couple albums to even uh was it was it a matter of sort of finding your own singular voice before you were willing it, to kind of call yourself that yeah i don't it, the, yeah it it felt natural for even like making the first record it just and like i made it with jeff rosenstock he's such an easy person to like make a record <laughs> yeah. with yeah, he's um, so vibey. yeah and like and he just had he had uh, so many good ideas we just got we got it done really quickly and it was super easy uh, like the people I chose to play on it just knew their shit and we just, we yeah, got it right. done really quickly. And, you know, so it was really easy, but then, and then I made the second solo record, like just me and my friend Alex. And that was super easy, right. but that was really just the two of us vibing in like a rehearsal space. I like the idea of every, like the, the, the thing I like about the solo projects is I'm kind of, actively making each one kind of completely differently. Oh, cool. And completely different, like in completely different environments, completely different people working on the mm. records. And uh, that's intentional. And that's intentional because I like, I don't want to make the same album twice. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. uh, like the only thing close to that is the, the last record we made. Or the, you know, I just recorded a record in, in Chicago with Steve Albini and mm-hmm. that's the same, essentially the same lineup that recorded the first album. Oh, okay. But so you brought it back. Yeah. But it still sounds fairly different than the first album. Uh, How hard is it to be your drummer? Not yeah. hard at all. I don't think. Not hard. I mean, cause you're I, not, you're not a dick about it. I'm not a dick about it at all. In fact, <laughs> like I, I, I like, I almost pur- purposely don't, even think about how I want the drums to sound on something. Oh, just got to take yourself out of it. Yeah. Completely. And like, cause, yeah. cause honestly that's, that's 
kind of as someone who plays drums in most bands that I'm in. Yeah. Uh, it's the hardest thing for me to come up with something or at least for another songwriter to come up with what I think they want in their head. I'm usually mm. never there with them in terms right, of like, right. oh, like it's got to be explained to me. Uh, so I kind of purposely don't want them to know what I think the song is going to be. Huh. Cause I'd, I want to be surprised and I want like, like for a couple of the songs on this record I just made, like, uh, I sent Lou demos and she sent back like, you know, just her, her playing over my demo. And it was uh-huh. like a, a drum part that I absolutely wouldn't have thought to put there. Right. Like it was right, more, right. more of like sure. maybe a vibey thing where I would have done more of a straight thing. Yes. And right. it made the song better. You know, like that's, I'm, I, yeah. I, that's the most fun about making records with other people to me is, is figuring out what they're going to, or listening and being surprised at what they're playing. And, yeah. and, and, you know, even if it's something that I'm not super into at the moment, I won't even, I'll kind of live with the demo for a little bit or something. And then if I really decide I don't like it, I don't like it. But pretty much everything that Lou played on this last batch of stuff, like even if it was something that at first I was like, oh, I don't know about that. It was always something yeah. I, I made sure that would stayed on the record because I thought it was great, you know. That's interesting. You know, I've had I've had a tough not tough, I, mean, I don't make it sound like what was me, but it's been a, a challenge at times in the in the modern age of songwriting. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, instead of when I used to get like an acoustic demo from someone I wrote songs with or, you know, oh, check out this you know, riff. Yeah, or yeah. Like something like that. Now you get like, you know, something from a computer. Yeah. With either like a, you know, a digital track behind it, one of the, you know, just whatever custom throw in their tracks yeah. or something they tried to write. And I often do find it frustrating because I get demoitis so easily. Totally. That if I listen to more than like two or three times, I have a hard time getting out of there. But I have listened back to a couple records where I'm like, you know what? Like I would never wrote that part. It's like not my style. Right. Yeah. And and you get so locked into your own style sometimes and what you expect to hear that it, you can you can kind of get boring, right? Yeah, like, absolutely, and I feel like yeah. I, I feel like I am. Uh, I feel like I I do kind of default to like I don't know, like the boring part. I guess, like just, <laughs> right. I don't know why. Like it's not the it's not usually the fir- the first thing that comes to my head. Isn't normally like a weird, like yes. off time pattern, you know, whatever drum pattern thing. Uh, like for the last Warriors record that we made. That was pretty pretty much the demos I was getting from Lauren had what they were thinking in their minds for the drums. Okay, and like I think Lauren is a lot more in- influenced by some of the more like indie rock j- drummers, like mm, uh, right. And it's like stuff that I'm just I'm not taking. That's not my first influence, so I'm not taking sure. that like. Uh, so it was, it was actually super fun to like, to learn these parts that I never, that I actually had to work on getting the timing of and everything because I would not have thought it wasn't my first inkling to play, you know? So that, that was how, pretty much how we made the whole last Warriors record was, was Lauren actually like finally got the equipment and all the stuff to like, to, to really be able to explain to me what they were hearing in their head. She's in LA now. She needs the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta have the stuff. Gotta have the stuff. You're, 
Gotta have the but stuff it, yeah, and it was cool because that that was a that was a thing for like the the record before that was there were a couple songs that they didn't really know what to what to tell me, and I was like, oh, this is what I'm hearing, and yeah, it was like, right. oh, well, that's like that's like too much of like a pop beat. I'm not thinking. I'm thinking right, more of right. a you know like we would have like weird little stalemates like that that um sure. that we you know we were we got through and and figured so, figured something out, but like there was a bit of a challenge just like figuring out what the songwriter was hearing in their head. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, I guess we got to work with Skynet a little bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> can't just, can't just totally go John Henry. But yeah, I guess like, cause I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm such like such, so influenced by a Ringo and right. B pop punk. So like my, right. my thing is like, don't get away. Don't get in the way of the song. Like mm-hmm. I, you shouldn't even right. notice that I'm there. You know? like, right, right. It, I should just be driving the thing. All I want to do is keep the fucking thing on time. That's all I want to yeah. do. Well, I could see that being a weird battle as a singer and a drummer, because so often a singer is is demanding that you just service the song. Right. You know, like like do what makes the song best. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. And then so it's almost like you got these two two little guys on your shoulders. Exactly. Maybe, you know? And you don't really yeah. know which one to go with for this particular right. song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funky. Yeah. Now, you mentioned it before. We got to talk about Albini. Yeah. It was I mean, come on, that's crazy. So how how did that come about? Uh it was just, you know, I'm kind of in the mode of making all of my dreams come true while I can. Uh <laughs> awesome. That's what that's one of the dreams that I've had since I was a very young kid. So I um and Joe, so Joe Steinhardt had been, had worked with him uh, numerous times. Um, oh, okay. Like he'd done a couple, they'd already, uh, you know, Don Giovanni had already put out a couple records from there. Uh, there was a, Joe did like a, a talk at his, at Drexel uh, oh, right? with Steve Albini, like as, oh, cool. as like the guests. So like right. they knew they, they have a text relationship at this point, cool. I believe. Yeah. So you know, I kind of was just like, how how realistic would it be for me to do a record with Steve Albini? He's like, I'll text him right now. Well, <laughs> and so right. you just like, look at you, Joe. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. great. And we booked, <laughs> we just booked it for like, you know, a month or a, we booked it for like a year later. Okay. Thinking that I'll, you know, and then in the interim, I made this Mikey Erg self-titled record that, right. that I yeah. didn't even plan on making. Hmm. I just did it because I had, I just wanted to play with Fid and Chris a bit, Fid, uh, Fid and, sure. and Chris Pierce, who we had the right before lockdown, we had done a tour together and it was really fun. And, uh, you know, I liked the way it sounded. I was like, I want to, I want to get this lineup on tape. So then I quickly wrote like 10 songs and went down to volume four Pierce's studio and just, we just bashed the fucking record out in a day. And so I didn't even plan on making that record. And then wow. I, I'd already been writing for this record. And so then I, then once that was done, I finished this record and then we went to Albini and recorded that. And it's, it was, uh, it was one of the best experiences ever. It was, yeah. it's exactly what you would think it was, you know, like everything just sounded good immediately. He just knows, uh-huh. he knows what the fuck he's doing. There's no fucking around. 
Um, Did you guys do much pre-production on it? No, no, nothing. Like he, he like None. he doesn't, okay. he doesn't want demos. He doesn't want anything. Oh, he doesn't. Cool. Wow. He's just like, just come in and know your, know your shit. Wow. And That's cool. luckily we, I was kind of like, oh, we'll, we'll go in there. We'll knock it out. It'd be great. And Jeff, <laughs> Jeff was like, book a day of rehearsal the day before. I was like, right, right, like, okay. Right. If you think yeah. we need it, thank God we did it because we we spent like <laughs> we spent like nine hours just like really really hammering the songs down, and then we got the yeah, then we yeah. got the album done in like a day and a half, you know, the right, ba- basic perfect. tracks. So like it was it worked, and I'm glad we did it. But I was I was totally like, we don't we don't need to rehearse. Come on, yeah. we're professionals. <laughs> <laughs> so what's like a what's a classic Albini type situation that happened in there? Was there like a, a part of the process where you were just like, oh, okay, that's why he like just makes great records. Yeah, I mean the you know the he just he has a way of you know. So we we walked in, we set our we set our gear up, and then he said, okay, go fuck off for an hour. Uh, those were the exact words. <laughs> exact words. Go fuck. Go fuck off for an hour. I'm gonna mic. I'm gonna mic up the stuff and align the tape machine. Okay. And then we'll do a sound check. He calls it a sound check. I've never heard it called a sound check in the yeah. studio. No. Nope. No. Nope. And uh, and it really is akin to a show. It's just like we. I played my guitar. He hit the talk back. He said that was easy. Okay, Jeff, plug your shit in. Wow. Jeff plugged his shit in. He got his right, the right volumes, you know, and then for everybody else, we did, we did that. We recorded one song and I was like that, there it is. There's your sound. It's, yeah. it's right there. Huh. I don't think we need to change anything. <laughs> I think we may have, we may have changed like the bass tone or something, but like, but other than that, yeah. How long has he been in that room? In that space, I think ninety six they moved in. Oh, okay. So he it's so, just one of those rooms that he knows he, every inch. Yes. Of. Yeah. He yeah. he just knows exactly what and that's it was funny, we had a we were having a conversation on the way down. Uh, uh me, Lou and Alex had driven out to Chicago and I was I was like, I think we'll have the record done in a day and Alex was like, wow. There's no fuck he's like I, we're gonna t- it's gonna take so much time to, to get sounds. And I was like, mm-hmm. I don't, I was like, I think Albini's going to, Albini knows what that room sounds like. I, I bet, I bet we'll have sounds in five minutes. And we pretty much had sounds in like, you know, it was probably like 20 minutes of yeah, actually trying a couple different things out to get sounds. But like, it was not, uh, not difficult at all. <laughs> That's awesome. And it immediately, it, you immediately hear, you hear the first playback and you're like, that is there. That's right. That's that sound. That's it. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. And he's an easy guy to be around in the studio and stuff. Yeah. He's really funny. And, you know, we'll have like little, the little aside conversations about like just eh, bullshit, like anything yeah. like, you know, the, you know, the founder of Vans died the night before and we were talking oh, about like how great van shoes were for like a right. 10 minute, you know, it's just like, and he knows everything about everything. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, there was not one subject you could stump him on where he didn't know the exact answer of, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. we were talking about like just memes and I don't know. It was, it was, it was <laughs> awesome. It was, it was very, it was very fun to hang out with him. But then, you know, once we got to work, we got to work and we, sure. We didn't bullshit. Was there like a question that you came with in your pocket, like just something you had to know. Uh, no, uh, we. In fact, we were we were pretty conscious of like like and certainly at rehearsal and all this other stuff. We were like, let's get all the fucking 
stupid like talking about Nirvana out of the way now, uh, <laughs> so that you know. Uh, so and so we 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 would kind of make it so that it would organically come up somehow. Like he right. he yeah. like he would bring up he like yeah. And then when I did the Nirvana record, we used this compression. Oh, okay, so he like, tosses it in there. Yeah, because okay. we'd be talking about like oh, I, that's crazy. Use like such. This this weird compression ratio on the vocal, like I've never seen that before. You know, whatever. Right. And he's like, oh, that's what that's what we did when uh, in utero. You know, like we would. Okay. Every, it would every it, it would come up every once in a while. There was one day where we were driving to the studio, and Alex is like, "I'm just going to get him to say Pixies once. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to get him to say the Pixies." And then at some point, he said the Pixies because he was talking about like making that record or whatever. That's awesome. Was, so we were we were trying to not be complete idiot fanboys but also we were trying to be complete idiot fanboys sure yeah hard not to because why <laughs> why waste that opportunity so when uh when when could we expect the record <laughs> um it's looking like you know that everything everything is so so backed up we're, we're getting it mastered yeah. next month and then i'm i think we'll be lucky if it comes out a year after that Wow. Is it just from pressing? Yeah. I've heard that like, wow, is it- I've heard that even like, even the jacket company, the, the the place that prints the jackets, they're, they're backed up like 10 months. Whoa. Right. <laughs> and then the pressing plants are backed up like a, a year to 13 months. Wow. I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was it's, that bad. It's, I- it's way worse than I, than I thought it was. With that in mind, are you thinking like eyeing some kind of digital content or something i don't know like i you know because i've i've talked to joe about it and he's like you did literally just release a record like three months ago and i'm like that's yeah you're right i can i can probably tour that one for a little while and then you know it's actually nice to not have to 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 already have the next album in the can right and to not not even have to think about it yeah, have you ever went on a tour not having to think about what you're doing next? Yeah, it's, no, it's kind of freeing. <laughs> it's yeah. actually, yeah, it's it's kind of it's the it's the one like you know silver lining of the whole thing is like you know I I, I of course like every artist ever in the history of uh, recorded sound think that the album the new album is the best one I've ever done and <laughs> I want everybody to hear it, but uh, <laughs> you know it, it can it can wait. It doesn't have to come out right now. I mean, you can also like just keep the Mikey Erg thing going. Just do another one. Yeah, in six I mean, months. that's what I was thinking. <laughs> you know? Like, I could do, like, I could do like a fucking an EP or something in between, yeah. and you know, just fucking yeah. Because because I think I have a couple, couple like tours that that you know were were supposed to happen two years ago that are now going to happen that I might want a new record for. But right, I also just made a new record, so I can just tour that for a little while or whatever, you know. Uh, You're yeah. being a battle for most prolific songwriter in America with, <laughs> I'm, I'm with Lemos. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> awesome, man. Well, Mikey, I gotta switch fast with you on on one thing because, as you know, and I apologized to you last time I did it. <laughs> You're always my mystery friend. I mean, I do know some people. <laughs> I've used I've used Mikey like four times for a mystery friend. <laughs> the last time I was backed in a corner. And I was like, fuck, I got to hit up Mikey again. <laughs> like, he's the only one who would know. And I did it again. Was the last one Gethard? Was that the one that it I... It was. Okay, yeah. And, was, that, and that was the one that I was on. I was getting on a plane and I didn't get the, uh, I didn't get the text. You blew time. it. <laughs> I blew it. Blew, blew it hard. It. Blew it. <laughs> so, 
But I blew it. I also, went, I also blew it with Brian because I thought that was a funny story. He didn't even remember it. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I went pretty deep since okay. I've always <laughs> used you as a mystery friend. I went ahead and got a couple mystery friends. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. This is fun. There's some good stuff. <laughs> so let's start. Let's start slow. Okay. Now, what is the story with the quote? <laughs> Won't be needing this anymore. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was in a band called the Dopamines. Yeah. And uh, uh, one of my favorite uh, combos I've ever played in because it was just nothing but fun uh there was no no bullshit at all in that band it was just like let's just have some beers and have a good time okay so we play uh we did a little tour of the east coast we played best friends day which if you don't know what best <laughs> friends day is it was this it was this festival that tony from municipal waste put on in richmond virginia for about 10 years huh and most of it, it was it was all around venues in Richmond, and it all culminated in like the last day was this gigantic show at a they called it it was Haddad's Lake. It was just a gigantic like lake with like a rope wow. rope swing and oh fuck yeah! And then yeah, so everybody just every band that played those days were just in swimming attire and just, they would like be in the lake until they had to play. And then they just put their guitar oh. on and it was fucking awesome. That's so municipal way. Yeah, so right. totally. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. you know, it'd be these crazy lineups of like, you know, big Fridia and negative approach and against me yeah. and the dopamines. And, you know, like it was like super eclectic lineups. It was awesome. Um, Dopamine's play, but it was the lineup was dopamine seven seconds against me. Wow, it was an incredible nice. show. Yeah, I, you know, as with most dopamine shows, you had to, you had to, you had to indulge in in a little bit of beer drinking and whiskey drinking before you got on stage. Okay, a little lube up, a little lube up. Um, after the set, we were loading the gear into the van, and I took the uh, my. This this the worst part about this is that this was all in this milk and cheese lunchbox. This the comic the comic book milk and cheese that was one of my favorite things. Um, but yeah, that had my tuner and my guitar cables and power cable and all this stuff in this milk and cheese box. Uh, and I threw it into the lake. Oh no! And said I won't be needing this anymore because it was the it was the end of the tour. You know. Not thinking till like you know next weekend when we had another show that I had to use the gear for. So that was right. Could really use <laughs> but, that you know, box. But I wasn't really thinking in my right mind. So yeah. So you sent it to the bottom of the to Davy Jones locker. Yeah, I um, I definitely like kind of wrote. I think I wrote Tony like the next day. I was like, if anything pops up in that lake, <laughs> I really, I really just want that milk and cheese lunchbox. That's really yeah. all I care about. I can buy a new tuner, but. Like, does municipal waste have a dredge? Yeah, a right. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you wanted to get anything out of that lake after a best friend's day happened either, because it could was imagine. filthy. 
Were you ever able to replace the box? No, I still can't find one. All right. So for anyone listening, yeah. going off track audience, all hands on deck. Yeah, I mean, I'll <laughs> fully admit my- I was being an idiot, but I would like a milk and cheese lunchbox if anybody it's knows. 10 years ago. <laughs> you deserve another one now. Yeah, I mean, by now. Oh, that's fucking funny. It was funny, too. I told the person who wrote this because they wrote, yeah. in quotes, won't be needing this in yeah, capital yeah, yeah. letters anymore. And I was like, for some reason, I just imagined Mikey saying it like Tina Turner. Yeah. Like, I won't Abs- be needing Abs- this anymore. Like, and and on the this is when I threw it into the river. And that's, oh. yeah, it was. I mean, it's exactly how you picture it. So perfect enunciation. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, I don't think you're going to be able to guess that one. So I'm going to double up here. Yeah. I mean, I want to. Yeah. Because I've told that story a bunch of times. Okay. Now, the same person mentioned to me, and this is also in quotes, <laughs> I think his dad recorded Bon Jovi. Yes. And he was around for it. I could be making that up, but his dad definitely worked with some rad folks. Yeah. To which I replied, can Mikey get any more Jersey? Um, <laughs> can I get so can, I, can I get any more Cerville? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. no, yeah, he, that. Literally, <laughs> Bon Jovi were, uh, were about to make their third album. Okay. A little album called Slippery When Wet. And, Heard of it. And uh, <laughs> I guess, I, I don't know how they came to work with my dad, but I guess my dad was a very, I would assume, cheap back then little basement studio in Cerville, New Jersey. So okay, they locked out. I, I, I want to say they were there for at least like six or seven months, like right, wow. writing the record and demoing it. Okay. At my dad's studio. I was there for a lot of it. I, I didn't know. I didn't know who Bon Jovi was. Like, cause they, they, yeah, this they, is what late, late 80s. This right? is 86. And they yeah. had, they had the first two records out. Runaway was a hit, but I didn't know it. Sure. Um, you were quite young. Yeah. And so, like, I just knew that there were these cool rocker dudes at the studio, and wow. and there was there there you know Tico's drum set was there, and I swear if it might have been thirty pieces, like it was <laughs> it was the biggest drum set I've ever seen in my life. Rotos, definitely rotos. A lot of rotos, a lot of actual. I remember because he would let me play it, and I remember like doing tom rolls on like over across like eight. Toms or something like it was insane. And of course, double bass pedal, or of course, double bass, two drums. Yeah. Um, I don't remember Tico using all those toms. I know it's like yeah. when you listen to the record, it's just like yeah. kick snare, I, kick I, snare, I kick snare. Yeah. <laughs> but he had a huge drum set. I bet all there. Right. I bet there was. A, I think there was a gong too. Yeah. Probably he had the a whole rack thing. To, yeah. Had to be a rack, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It was the first time I'd ever seen like a yeah. rack set up. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was, it was cool. And like every once in a while, like I could, I could take the tapes and like when they weren't there and like my dad would let me do like my own mixes of the demos and stuff like that. I don't know where any of the shit is anymore. At some point, I think they just took everything. Right. Cause we used to literally have this 16 track masters of these demo tapes. Wow. And, and from what I, I remember them pretty vividly, like a couple, I remember there being a one for the, the song Never Say Goodbye that like he had a, he had a sore throat or something at the time. So like he was just trying to sing just to get the, to get the, um, like to get the melody on tape, but he, Mm. he didn't have a voice. And, but I, so I remember the like horse version of Never Say Goodbye that I've only heard a few times, but 
I know that it exists somewhere. <laughs> like it's just That's it's wild. it's in my brain. And like you'd think that that album was so gigantic, there'd be like the box set with all of that shit yeah, on it. But like I don't know where that box set is because it hasn't it hasn't seen the light of day. So your dad is he's are you, is your family just still sitting on these masters? No, so that's the thing. I don't. I don't know where they went. I yeah. Like okay. they they were there. We used to. I used to drag them at least even into like the like, you know, eighty eight, eighty nine. I I would drag them out and like play them, right. And then at one at just a, a certain point, they just weren't there anymore. And I don't. Huh. I don't know what happened to them. I guess they must have taken them, seized by the Illuminati. Se- yes, seized. <laughs> seized by the major seized. label is what happened. Probably. Yeah, that's they, what I they said. Always yeah. go after. Yeah, I guess you did. <laughs> Precisely. What they I probably thinking. got some. They got some Jersey characters to come to the studio and yeah, pick yeah, them yeah. up. Hey, we're gonna need those tapes. <laughs> we we hear your eight year old son's been playing around with them. United Texas. You know. You know the bay is close. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know that bridge right by the Amboy Cinema. Yeah. Gonna throw you right off. <laughs> Wait. What? Oh, uh, what's that bridge called? Is that the um? Oh, what is it's that? Not the Marconi. The Marconi is up by Lowe's. Yeah, what is that bridge called? Oh, it's killing me. I've, I've I want to say it. it's the Raritan Bay Bridge, but that just seems too easy. I think it's got a name <laughs> of an old Italian guy. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. So, what was the deal? Uh, how long did your father have this studio for? Uh, like he had it. Bef- I, I think it was the mid seventies when he he opened it. Um, okay. It was definitely before I was born, and. Um, Around 2007, 2007, 2008 is when like it really just like dried up. No one was, that was, you know, at the point where kind of people were starting to figure out how to do stuff on their own. Right, right. Um, You know, studio kind of stuff was dry, drying up a bit. So he just, he just sold it and moved to Florida or sold the building and moved to Florida. Ah, so if he had it all that time, did you did you record with him? Yeah, well, like all the all the early like Ergs demos and stuff, like I did at I did myself at the at the studio. What was the name of the studio? Century Productions. Nice. Um. Yeah. Very seventies. Yeah, and he so and and towards the end, actually, most of the time that I w- was around, uh, when the studio was around. Uh, he used to work for this this company that that uh called that called San Juan that like licensed music. Like they would buy pretty much they'd buy masters of like we had some pretty cool shit. We had like early Santana stuff before ah. before they were signed to club. Like all the like weird early Santana stuff and like weird early Bob Marley stuff from before like ah. the island records uh tenure like we would have those masters and then like so basically back in the day you used to be able to go to like kmart or uh you know just like big box stores and they'd they'd have these cds that you'd buy for like four four dollars okay and they would say that they were you know re-recordings not the original and they were like usually pretty bad re-recordings of, you know, old, you know, I don't know, Motown stuff and Okay. But they would just get like they would get the miracles like three guys who used to be in the miracles, but a different lead singer and that right, they would re-record right. all the Smokey Robinson miracle stuff. Like my dad uh, yeah. my dad's studio recorded like most of that stuff. 
Wow. Like a lot of, so like we had, you know, like Joey D and like the crests and Teddy Pendergrass like coming in and like, and like recording their old shit. Yeah. And so that kind of shit was pretty cool because you were actually meeting like a couple of legends. Sure. (laughs) Um, so we would do a lot of that. I played drums on like a couple of those things. Really? Yeah. Uh, I think we did like, we, oh, we, we, we did like a, a version of like what kids bop, beca- kids bop is like where we had kids singing like hits of the day or kids singing, oh, right. kids yeah. singing the kinks. And so like I played drums <laughs> on like the kink session. Wow. Like, just stupid shit like that. But like, um, yeah, we, we, it was, it was, it was a cool fucking place to grow up. <laughs> yeah. You're and literally like, like born into it. Yeah. Wild. And then like, and for most of my, like teenage years, I, I, I lived in the house that was attached to it. So like, right. you know, like four in the morning, I'd go down and I'd just like fucking turn the guitar. It was soundproof. I'd turn the guitar up, turn the drive, just like jam all night. Wow. And that's like how I wrote a lot of like early Erg songs and stuff like that was just ha- having a space to do it. It was cool. I hadn't realized that, that it was like so ingrained into your early life. Like yeah. That. I and mean, like for, had you even considered doing anything else? no, be, no, I, never, I, right? I've never considered yeah. doing anything else but music. And I actually yeah. like always was super interested in be, being on the production side of it. Um, mm-hmm. And then, but then I just kind of started playing it and then didn't really have the time to devote to like, you know, really learning how to you know, record it uh, or, you know, going to school for like recording or anything. Like I never got around to doing that, which I'm kind of thinking right. about maybe trying to do now. <laughs> like, oh, really? like now that I'm, you know, it's like, it'd be cool to You're just... trying to check off your dream box. Exactly. Right? So, it's like, Oh, maybe, maybe I can be like a, you know, I'd like to, my, my dream job would be like archiving for something like for like uh, a, a record yeah. label or like a, you uh-huh. know, old radio shows or that something. That shit is cool. That like shit that. Is cool. Cause I'm su I'm super into like listening to all that stuff. And, and, I love researching things and, you know, finding out like, the, oh, they, they recorded this. And then three days later, they recorded this show, right, and, you know, like that's right. like stuff, stuff that always fascinates me. So that that's definitely like yeah. the dream gig. And and it's really cool when you're remastering how you can like open up a song you already knew and like isolate oh, one tiny part of it. Yeah. And really hear it. Well, and that's mean, my favorite thing about like, you know, the the, the culture of like you know, all these albums are getting reissued a million different times with a million different remasterings. And like, I just love hearing all of them and, oh, they really brought out the guitar in this remaster. And like, yeah, like right, that's, right. That's something that I'm super into. So like mastering would be another like gig that I'd really like to really start focusing on. Yeah. One of my biggest jealousy moments that I ever had in music was when Gaslight was recording American Slang. We got to do it at... um. Uh oh my god why why am i blanking right now that's crazy that i am magic shop it's magic shop jesus christ so we we recorded the record there and um you know in the basement was the the one engineer who smoked a ton of weed yeah. in place. <laughs> he, and um, your friend <laughs> yeah so it's where you know we spent a few few minutes down there and you know one day we're about to take a round and and head down and i walk by the studio and Who's in there but Ian Mackay? Oh wow! And I'm like, okay, I'm like, well, no smoking today, um, <laughs> right? Clearly. Yeah. Even the, you I'm, know the engineer was like on his I, best behavior. That I've day. I've been straight edge for life, Ian. I'm, I'm just, I swear. <laughs> yeah. 
Like you want you want a toke? Um, <laughs> and and I literally like I walked by the studio like six times that day, just waiting to like kind of have an excuse to like say what's up. You yeah, know? yeah. That was a very strange moment for me. I decided to just like pull the band aid. I walked in and just like you did with Steve Albini, just like, let's get Nirvana out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. I just said, I just did the same thing. I was like, may I just place my nose up your asshole <laughs> yeah. for the next 45 seconds. Tell you what probably a thousand other people have told you about exactly. you know, how your career made their career, blah, yeah. blah, 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 cliche. Um, and then maybe we could be cool, but he was literally in the studio with every old discord reel to reel. Like, like oh, stacks so he, of them. So he was like, because I, I, I think towards the end, Magic Shop got into doing like. Yes. Because now that's what they, they, they are just like an archive, archiving. Right. Like situation. Yeah. It um, seemed like they were starting to lean that yeah. way maybe at that time. And, and man, like him opening up some of that stuff. Did you say so you like, so that's, this is the thing. This is the shit that I'm like crazy about. Like when, when yeah. you walked in, was he like holding, you know, a fucking you know, uh, minor threat tape or whatever, you know? Oh like, yeah. It was minor threat. It was scream. It was like, awesome. dude, every, like it was the really early stuff. Cause it was all the stuff that was on the proper reel to reels. Right. You know? Um, that's, and so, I don't know if he was remastering. I think they were just there to digitize. I'm sure they were probably just trying. Yeah. Cause he, yeah, he's, that's his, that's his other big, I just from hearing interviews and stuff with him, like his big thing is like, I just want to arc, make sure everything's archived. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that no one else has to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, it seemed what he was doing. But I remember later that week, uh, they, they had brought in some old soul stuff. And I think one of them was a James Brown live recording. That's awesome. And I mean, fucking isolating these guys on that stage was like one of the coolest fucking things I've ever heard in a studio. You I, know? Can, I can't like, even imagine that. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so impressive. No, that stuff, that stuff just fascinates the hell out of me. So like, that's actually the, the coolest thing about the... Uh, you know, like rock band and stuff being a thing is that like all these master tapes have kind of leaked because oh. the rock band game is essentially you just listening to the master tapes. So like some, some, uh, wonderful genius figured out how to like hack the fucking game and, and just get them into Wait, in individual ex tracks. Explain this to me. Why is, why is rock band that? Because like the, uh, when you're playing rock band, you're you're playing over the the actual basic tracks of the yeah of the of the actual song, and somehow I don't know why, but I because of that, these individual tracks of all these records are out there, oh, quote unquote, right. on the internet. Because uh, yeah. someone figured out a way to get it all off of the game. So like, there's there's literally like there's a folder of you know pretty much every Beatles record and right. like, and the individual like four tracks of, you know, so you're, you're only hearing Paul's bass and the backing vocal on one track or whatever, wow. you know, it's like, it's crazy. And so I just, I sit, I sit for hours and just listen to this shit. Do you just jam out to rock band without the fake guitar? <laughs> no, I just, I mean, I just, I just, I just listen to it. I just like, yeah, you just listen to like the, yeah. the drum track of these wow. albums that I, that I know by heart anyway. And now I'm just getting to hear the drum track or whatever. So crazy. Yeah. I you love know, that knowing shit. you, knowing you makes a lot more sense now, <laughs> you know? Cause I mean, you're just like, you're just like a walking equivalent of music to me. Like that's just what I mean, you yeah, do and what know. you've it's always just, done. And, it's the and, only thing that's ever interested yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. And now yeah, I'm right. like, 
And now it, it sucks because I'm, I'm super into uh, podcasts and films now. So now I have like these other two things that are fighting for my time. Ugh. And now I feel like I can't Why'd devote anything. I know. It's stupid. Yeah. Jeez, Why do focused, I waste my, my time dude. listening to Going Off Track? <laughs> no, you should listen to it. Just don't make your own podcast. Nobody, <laughs> yeah. nobody else right, should be right. doing literally, I, I kept having ideas. I was like, no, no. One, no one needs another fucking podcast. No. I, dude, I literally have to like, when I text certain people or something for an interview now, I'm like, listen. I know everyone, their mother has a fucking yeah. podcast. You've probably been asked to do this like 19 <laughs> times in the last month, but you want to come through mine? I know. You know I, like, but if, like, if they're Jesus done well, Christ. I'm a, I'm a junkie for them. I love it. It's yeah. I you know, am too. I love, I love but, a nice, a nice, nice interview podcast. It's always fascinating to me. Yeah. Hopefully when people start touring again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the, like when I was thinking about doing one, it's like, I'm always traveling and I'm always hanging out with, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, we'll play with Dillinger Four one night and play with blah 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 the other night. I wanted to interview them about the their classic record or whatever. And uh, well, so how about like, you could be uh, you could be not paid as going <laughs> off as going off tracks like man on the scene. You're like I, our Jordan Clapper or something. I would do like, that. There we go. I you, I'll be yeah, the uh, you get out there. We could, we could do special edition podcasts of yes, me oh, yeah, hosting good. some shit. Brad, okay. you're gonna have to cut cut Mikey into the fortune, okay? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, big cut. I definitely need. So, I need at least five dollars. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I need at least a beer the next time we hang out. We'll negotiate. <laughs> so, all right. So, can you guess who okay. told me won't be needing this anymore? And and the, the dad Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi. Stuff. Fuck that. I mean, I, I'll give you the two other hints, okay? We're yeah. not going to get into it because we have too many mystery friends. Right, but right. The same person said seeing XTC in a different country on a day off from tour. Yeah. And also ask him about mastering wax-built castles at Abbey Road. Was it Lauren? It was Lauren. Okay, yeah. Because okay. <laughs> Lauren, was, Lauren was there for all four of those things, I think. Okay, so. yeah, there you go. <laughs> By by issue of uh that's okay, that's fu- that's funny yes all right let's move on to the next because this is fucking funny oh, so this mystery friend say tell him you heard a rumor oh no that despite all of his New Jersey cred his favorite diner is actually the Stardust Diner in Manhattan <laughs> that okay that's Chris Gethard. It is. Um, do you want to tell the story? Because that's fucking. Funny. I do want to tell the story. Uh, yeah. My favorite diner is the Peter Pank Diner. For Christ's sake! Oh, I mean, come classic, on. Now. Classic. Classic. Uh, may it rest in peace. And I can't believe I didn't get there before it closed. When did the Pank go down? Uh, went down a couple years ago. Uh, like probably four or five years ago at this point. And I remember. I remember going taking the bus down from New York to meet up with my mom and like for, for like you know Christmas stuff and being and and they were closing i think like before the new year i had like a limited time and like a couple days to go there and i just didn't i couldn't fit it in and Mm -hmm. uh and i was just like i i've let i've let my whole entire state down by not getting uh not getting some peter pank (laughs) 
It's almost like when it's like better that you don't see like a really sick relative or something and you just remember them in their glory. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine the Peter Pank on its last week. It was probably, they probably it's were, pro- they probably were cooking great food at that point. I don't think so. They're probably just no, getting rid of like, yeah, this has been in the fridge for about five yeah. years. Let's sell it. Here's some 12 year old halibut. So... Chris Gethard and I, uh, it was, I was, I was on the Chris Gethard show at the time and Chris got asked to do the Howard Stern wrap up show. Right. Which, and you're a fan. And I'm a, I'm a gigantic, literally the moment, it, the moment he comes on, I'm, I'm listening. I listen live every day. Uh, I used to travel when, when I'd go on tour, I would bring a printout of the, when, when he was still on terrestrial radio, I'd bring a printout of the affiliates so I knew wow. what station to listen every morning. Howard Stern. Sternophile. I was. I was. I'm. I'm. I'm obsessed. But um, so I was like, "Yo, you gotta take." Or I think he might have even offered. Like, I know that this would be the biggest thing in your life if if I took <laughs> right, you right. up to the wrap up show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, "And here's what you can do for me. I haven't listened in a while. Uh." Can you just get me up to speed on who like the okay. new who the new whack packers are? So I like sure. he's like I, I just don't want to sound like I haven't been listening. So he's we we picked he's like let's go to the start the Stardust Diner that sounds good. Well that's right that's right <laughs> next to uh you yeah. know where they where they do the show like it'll be this sure. be cool. Uh and that's he said serious then you're in Midtown yeah, yeah yeah so we were like you know right near like Rockefeller Center and all that sure. Uh, Neither of us knew what the Steiner was. It sounded like not the hub of New York City. Food. <laughs> no, no, yeah. uh, no, s- certainly not. Uh, we walk in, and it just feels like kind of a normal diner for a minute. We order whatever food we get, and then all of a sudden, it's like showtime, and there are people dancing on the tables, and like, <laughs> and we were just like, "What the fuck?" So like. Our entire mission of doing this was so that we could talk about the Howard Stern show and we, you couldn't talk over any of this stuff. And so we, so we realized later that it was, it's a, a tourist trap that is kind of, I guess, where everybody who, who wants to, uh, to do Broadway, that's, <laughs> right. that's where they, that's where they work and like just try to, you know, hone their skills so that... So it's like all the understudies (laughs) work at the Stardust. They work at the Stardust. And it was just like, we were... And it was one of those things where like, like every time we actually started to get some, (laughs) get a conversation going, the, 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 a song would start playing again and then we'd be interrupted. It was... And what are we talking here? Like they're just like walking around the aisles, just singing. Yeah, and like along with these tracks and dancing and stuff. Yes, like the whole yeah. deal. And like, and wow. like, I feel like I feel like there was dancing on tables involved, and like, goodness, yeah, and <laughs> it's like half coyote ugly. The whole and the you know Chris Gethard and I are just like, what the fuck is going on? What right. is this? And I'm place? imagining just you two face yeah, to face, exactly. So unassuming. Just like, yeah. and like it was funny because we were just you know we we were we're fairly close friends, but we, this was fairly early on in the Gethard show too. Right, so I right, feel like right. it was like, we were still like, this might've been the first time we like hung out for a long period of time. Oh, okay. That wasn't so that still work. A touch of awkwardness <laughs> it was there. definitely might've been a little awkward too. Like that yeah, kind of added right. to the like 
hilarity of the situation. Sure. Like, I don't know you that well, and we're Yeah, I mean, like, it wasn't, together. like, yeah. it was it was early on in, like, the cable run, so we we knew each other, but, like, yeah, we, yeah. we certainly didn't spend, like, a shitload of time together before this. Yeah, yeah, and that's hilarious. we were just like, of course, this happens, too, and this is so, <laughs> this is weird, but it was, it's a, it's a story that we can tell on podcasts whenever we... Yeah, know. fucking funny, man. <laughs> yeah, so his, his exact quote was, we met before. He's a student, Stern super fan. We met beforehand. I figured we'd meet at a diner and didn't realize the Stardust <laughs> is a gimmick diner where the wait staff leaps onto tables and sings show tunes. <laughs> so he says at like seven forty-five a.m. That's the me thing. And it Mikey was, are trying it was to comically, catch up, and there's literally yeah. <laughs> it was comically early in the morning too. It was like yeah. we were not, and oh, and we had taped the show the night before. Oh, and every yeah. every night, uh, you know, Gethard. Gether would go hang out, but I would go, we would all go to a bar after the taping. And usually that was like our letting our hair down and, you know, having, having a few drinks. So I was definitely hung over at this point too. And, <laughs> right. uh, and it, this was not the place I wanted to be hung over at seven no. in the morning. No. Before knowing that I was walking into like my, you know, heaven. Yeah. <laughs> and he did mention too, he's like, well, you know what? He's like, I got that motherfucker to meet Baba Booey. So uh, yeah, no, it was, fair enough. It was you know? it was an amazing it was an amazing day. <laughs> it I yeah, it's so fu- I couldn't help but hear that story. And one of my first reactions to it was, "Fuck, I feel bad for the people who work there." That we did too. I think that was like yeah. that was the whole thing. Was we were like, it's so like knowing what it's like to be fucking busting your ass as like a performing yes. artist. Like yeah, it's. It's not, that's not the gig I want to do. Yeah, it's like seven, imagining seven a person who had to, yeah, who had to get up at like six. Because not not only do you have to perform, you have to serve food, which is like yeah, also you difficult. Commute. You probably got to commute <laughs> on like a crosstown bus. Yeah, you got to get there and like put that shit on. And at seven in the morning, start singing like Lay Miz to people. <laughs> what a fucking nightmare! Yikes! Uh, it's making me. Re- I got to go back. I got to go. Uh, yeah. I gotta go have that. We, we Gether and I should commemorate the experience by going oh, again. Yeah, you should. That is the <laughs> idea. All right, so that one was great, and here's the last. Okay, okay. so you got Gether, you got Lauren. This is the last. Said once on New Year's <laughs> Eve, the Measure played a show in Gainesville. <laughs> After we went to a party at the guy from Les and Jake's house, we weren't sure if it was cool that we showed up. As we walk in, an Erg song is blaring. People saw Mikey enter, picked him up, and started crowd surfing him around the party. The guy is a star. I think that's the only PG Mikey story I have. <laughs> uh, that's Jay Insult. Or it's not. Or, okay, it's Fid then. Yeah, it's the Fiddler. Okay. Uh, they, were, they were both there that night. Uh, okay. And yeah, it was certainly very, cause we were like friends of friends of friends. Like, I think, I don't know that I, that the Ergs, no, the Ergs had definitely played with Less Than Jake. So we did kind of know them a little bit, but like, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't have called myself friends with Less Than Jake at the time. Right. Uh, and, but like, I think uh, one of the guys from, we were playing with Grabash Charlesons and they were like. Okay. Oh yeah, that like yeah. the party in town is Roger from Less Than Jake's New Year's Eve party, and we were in Gainesville on New Year's Eve. So that yes, we and we walked in and they were playing Dork Rock Cork Rod, and <laughs> it was the most surreal uh, moment of my life. 
So like, like before, right before you walked in the door, was it one of those like, oh my god, like I don't even know if I'm like welcome at this. No, party. we literally like, kind of like, we're like, yeah. we'll see, we'll see how this goes. Uh, right, we, right. We, we might be looking for a hotel in about two minutes because we don't know what else to do in this town tonight. But we'll, and you just open the door and we're immediately getting crowd surfed around. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like how I did th- the night? How did the night pan out then? Uh, I mean, it panned out great. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it was really. It was just a party. I can't. I honestly don't remember. Uh, I, I I don't think we stayed there. We probably stayed with someone, that, a mutual friend that was also at the party. But right, like, right. I mean, we we hung out all night and danced and had and drank and had a wonderful wonderful evening, wonderful New Year's. Funny, um, funny man. But it certainly was like walking up, walking up to it. We we're like, this could go. This go really poorly or really well, and it went. Yeah, really Gainesville well. can be intimidating <laughs> like that, right? Yeah, and like we we kind of we just through fest and through like you know going through there pretty much like whenever you do a tour, if you do Florida at all, you at least do Gainesville because you don't have to go too far down. Right. Yeah, 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 to yeah. get there. Only like an hour south yeah, of Georgia. It's like, point, I, yeah. you know, I can count the times I've played Miami on one hand in my entire yes. 20 years of touring. Same. But, yeah, same. But I've been to Gainesville, you know, a hundred times. So like, same. It, yeah. uh, between that and Fest, I felt like we knew we were friendly with people and we, we, we knew enough people where like, you know, we got to know someone at this party, but we Gainesville definitely adjacent. Yeah. But we, you yeah. know, there was also, we, we also knew it was one of the people from less than Jake throwing the party. So we were like, who, who's going to be at this fucking thing? Like, this. yeah, right. Right. <laughs> like the guys from fishbone going to be there? <laughs> right. I mean, are we going to, yeah. is, you know, or, or some, is the capital label guy going to be there? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Am I going to yeah, get signed tonight? <laughs> They're big fucking bad. Yeah, that's fucking funny. Man. No, it was it was great, but it was that was it, I certainly was not expecting to hear my singing voice coming out of the speakers when I walked up to the to the house. So funny, man. Well, and then Fit also shared. I I couldn't use this as a mystery, Frank, because it would have been too obvious. He said uh, he recorded thirty-one Hat Rabbit songs in a day once. <laughs> that's- he also recorded sixty songs in two sessions hearing them all for the first time on the spot for the new shit <laughs> and then recorded the new dress cover the next day. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you, like, I, I actually like functionally want to ask you, like when you're presented with 30 songs like that, yeah, you know, stuff that you like, didn't know what's your, like, what's your method for, for internalizing that? Are you all ear? Do you take notes? I am all like, I am all ear. I I used to like uh you know there were a couple and 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 I don't think Fid would disagree that his songs are particularly kind of difficult just because because yeah, yeah. he he writes in a way that yeah. the the only other way cuz like I like I was saying before is like I'm 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 very you know kind of simple uh, 60s rock and pop punk influenced uh, where the songs don't have that many parts but like right. Fid and uh, the only the only time I ever had to use notes for the first couple times on stage was Ensign oh right uh, which cause like I cause I just been I, there bro yeah right <laughs> but I, I just don't I don't like it it doesn't make sense in my brain uh, right, okay, right, the, right, the, right. the verse yeah. goes for two this time 
Then you do yeah. the then you do the like sub Big Tom the, part. Yeah, the sub yeah. breakdown with the toms. Yeah, right. yeah, and yeah. then you go back into a four verse. Back to the two steps. And then you and back to, and then and then you got and then you have the 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 hardcore breakdown, which is different right. than the hardcore breakdown in the last song. <laughs> right, you know, right. like so like it's stuff like that that I needed like my sure. my notes of like, oh yeah, this is like the half chugga chugga part or whatever. Yeah. Um I would love to compare your ends and notes <laughs> with mine, just out of curiosity. Cause I have the same shit. Yeah. Yeah, like once I once I got it though, I would that I that was the most fun I've had playing drums mm. during a set like That's like cool. just playing c- cool shit like and yeah. and and playing they're, they're they're fun songs to play once you actually wrap your head around them sure um, yeah they are yeah they are so that was cool but yeah and That's so awesome. like and and with like the fids or with like the hat rabbits records it's like it's just kind of you know we 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 kind of have this rhythm going that we actually used to have in the measure where, where we would just we'll just like learn the song get it down once and then tape it and so it's essentially what i feel like what most people would do like oh this is our this was the practice demo right and then we'll refine it later but like so like the practice demo ends up being our like first take on the record which is like why why bother doing it again i'm not going to play it any different really sure you know well i wonder if um if using that like initial impulse that you have in songwriting and not touching it again yeah actually helps in remembering it it probably does and because it's like it's so internal right yeah and i do i i like i mean i like i've done it both ways where like you work on something for six months and then you you come up with like you know or like you know, the Ergs would do this all the time, where we would we would record something and then we'd play it live for six months, and then I'd be doing completely different shit on the drums. Yes, right. Because you play it a million times, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean it's what should have been played on the record either. You know? No, totally not. I think that's um, the beauty of live music. Like right that's a, that's the funny thing about you know having listened to and and read a lot, read read so much about music that I've uh, as I have, and like realizing that oh, you know. Fleetwood Mac took eight months to make a record or whatever, you know, right, it's like, right. why, like, I wonder how much of that was just completely wasted time that just didn't need to be probably like, tons, you know, and like, I, I'm very much of a, like a first, the first take is usually your, your most like, yeah. uh, energetic and, you know, once you, like, I, I feel like if I'm doing 10, 10, 15 takes, I'm like, kind of dumbing the drum part down just so I can get it, get it done. Like, if, yeah, you know, right, right. Like, I feel like I'd rather just get the like really energetic first take out of the way. Sure. Yeah. There is some with drum takes like that, isn't there? Like I, I have found now through the years that if like, if I'm not getting it, you know, for whatever reason, yeah. like if I take four, take five, I know it's not going to get any better than that right. in the moment, you know, like in the moment, like, and you either have to rewrite something or revisit it, but like pounding the pavement doesn't really. Yeah. Seem to it's, work. I mean, especially with like a, a drum track, I feel like it's, well, it, we might as well just come back to this tomorrow. Cause I'm burnt out on it. And, right. Right. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, I, I don't even want to play this fucking thing anymore. Exactly. So like, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I normally try to get, first or second takes and it's like it's pretty easy and like also with with fid stuff he's a really good person to work with if, if like 
if I'm not coming up with something, Fid knows exactly what he wants mm, right. it to sound like. And, and, and I've played, obviously, we, we just talked about two records where one of them was 30 songs, one of them was 60 songs. Right. Like, I've played enough of his songs to know, to pretty much have instinct of, of what he's going to want. Sure. So it's actually fairly easy for me to do those records, even though yeah, yeah. it sounds like an insane amount of work. But you just a lot of it's just years, like you just know where Fid's coming from at yeah. this point. And that's yeah. the you know, that's the that's the cool thing about like if you've worked with a songwriter for enough that you know how you just know how they write songs. And sure. so you know where they're gonna go. Even if it's not the same song you've heard you heard last week, it's like you kind of know how they write and that, yeah. they're, that they're gonna go to the bridge here or whatever or yeah, or in in a hardcore sense, it's like uh, okay, this is where the two steps part's gonna happen, right, right, you know, or whatever, you know. Yeah, there's only one place in a hardcore song the two steps. Yeah. should be. It's like, <laughs> it's like, come on, let's not let's not rewrite the wheel here. Age exactly. of Quarrel was great. I know. You know. Let's just keep it going. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for that uh, Age of Quarrel reissue on Record Store Day. <laughs> yeah, you know it's coming. Maybe you'll get to remaster it. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> so. That's awesome. Well, shout out, please, to Lauren and Chris yes. and Fid <laughs> for providing us with. Is this? Did I make up for it, Mikey? Yes. For, for no, me, that, pull, okay. That's fun. I, I, you know, I love it's. It's one of my favorite segments on this wonderful show that you have, <laughs> and uh, it's it's amazing to to be in the in the hot seat for this one. The driver's seat. Yeah, <laughs> the driver's seat. I was like, I can't just get one for Mikey. I used I used it up. <laughs> I used my card up too much. But now you owe me like six mysteries. All right, all right. I'll, yeah. I'll 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 make sure that I. I mean, the, that's, that's the problem. It's like what P, it's like what Fid said is like what's what do I have PG for all these people? <laughs> yeah, I know a lot. I know like where a lot of your and Fid's <laughs> stories go for sure. I know those firsthand. Um, that's awesome. Well, I gotta talk to you about the Descendants real quick. Mm-hmm. Now, a discussion ensued. Uh, with Joshy actually from School Drugs mm-hmm. uh, the other day, where we're talking about the Descendants and them being, I mean, just amazing. Yeah. And so, but the thing that came up was how singularly unique they are, and how kind of no one has really come close to grabbing like the Descendants' torch, even like when they weren't around. Right. Like, there's no one you can just say like, "Oh, that's like that's like the Descendants," you know, and you know, I, we're talking and we're like, who came close? And I'm like, the Ergs? <laughs> and I'm like, that's the closest I can come up with because it's like the only one I can think of that's like musically in line where the members of the Ergs were fantastic players. You wrote great catchy songs, but then the other caveat that no one seems to do is have a fucking sense of humor about it. Yeah. And present it in that kind of you know, tongue in cheek sort of way, like Descendants did it. And I asked Josh, you straight up, I'm like, mm-hmm. am I just saying the Ergs because I'm from New Jersey and this is like confirmation bias? And he's like, no, I think it is too. So, so you seem to have come the closest of anyone. <laughs> like, what do you think makes them so special and hard to recreate? Uh, well, I do think, I mean, I guess. So I always, I, I was always fairly confused at why we would get the the comparison. Really? Although, I mean, you know, I, I was like, okay, well, uh, lead singer with glasses. 
Oh, right. And we all and we and we all kind of know how to play our instruments, right? I mean, especially Joe and Jeff are, you know, as as masterful at at bass and guitar as as Stefan and Carl. Sure. Um, But I always thought that like the the comparison really was because we we played fast and played well. As I say, with a a uh, a smirk on my face. I think it's it's fair to say, (laughs) but um, (laughs) but yeah, but but I mean that there's no there's no question that that was certainly the like if the if you like that was probably our biggest influence as a band, just in terms Mm of you know just making sure we sounded good, like trying to write good songs and. Um, I don't know, like doing it the way, you know, tour for a year and, and make sure you get tight or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, yeah. Cause they, the sentence are so weird to me too, because they're, especially their early albums, they're, that's some of my, that's my favorite thing about like that eighties SST thing is you could you could misconstrue those records for like wildly inconsistent, mm. like mm-hmm. especially like a record like Enjoy, which contains all of my favorite Descendant songs, but okay, it right. also contains ten minutes of farting. <laughs> right. Yes, and yes, and I does. feel like even like like Zen Arc- I mean, um, uh, uh, New Day Rising by Husker Du is like it's got like these really great songs and it's got these like weird dirges and like. Right, it's like I right, kind of right. love that. That's what people are or like, and like the replacements were putting out these records that were like, you know, Gary's got a boner, but then sixteen blue. <laughs> it's like right. I yeah. just love that. Like you could, that was like okay back then to huh. like to not just overthink that. I mean, that's that's that kind of goes back to like why bother overthinking something in the studio if like right. you want to yeah. put or go fart on a record because you think it's funny. Just put it at the end where people can skip, yeah. people can skip it if they want. Like I don't know, right. like, and but and I think maybe I never thought of it this way until just now. But maybe because we we would put that shit on, you know, right. we we would put maybe on the new Messiah on a record, even though like <laughs> I know it's not the most brilliant fucking song that's ever been written <laughs> because it's kind of funny. Like I mean, it's just not taking yourself too seriously right. in that way, right? But then you know the other songs are that we are seriously. taking ourselves seriously. We were doing yeah. it in the in, right. in the right way. It was it was funny. I, like my my uh, one of my favorite stories that uh, I feel like you, if anybody, maybe Sue would have been there. Maybe Sue could have given it as a mystery friend story. Oh, but okay. yeah. um, we, I went and saw Flag or oh, War and Women open for Flag. Okay, and. Sue got me into the show and, and got me backstage and I was yeah. hanging out and I, I've known, I know I've known step Stefan already. Uh, we had worked together a few times and so he introduced me to bill for the first time. Okay. And he was like, bill, this is, this is Mike Yerg. He's, you know, obviously from the Ergs. And then bill, bill says, Oh, that band that everybody says sounds like us. Oh no. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't understand it, man. We're both just trying to be the buzzcocks. And I was like, oh. I was like, uh, awesome, cool, yeah, and then, and right. then oh, that's so freeing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was so freeing. And then we just passed around a literally a scotch bottle all night and talked about oh. Ornette Coleman for for like four hours, and it was like God. like one of the greatest nights of my life. Why does every Bill Stevenson story I hear 
just add to this narrative that just really makes me love him more and more. He really is. I mean, I like what a unicorn. The the the, the like few hours I've spent with him have been absolute wonderful experiences where he, and he doesn't like, he doesn't mind talking about, I mean, that we, we spent, we spent a couple hours at a Mexican restaurant once talking about like him joining black flag and how he like, he was already kind of the on call, like guy who would fill in whenever robo couldn't do it. And then it mm-hmm. just made sense for him to join. I was like, I never knew that. That's crazy. Like, yeah, like, right. yeah, I was always just there. I was always just at the practice anyway. So I just play like, it's like all these really cool stories and he's got a million stories because he, he's been everywhere. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's like he has so many that they're still not even all on like wax. Right. No, yeah. it's, it's very, he's a very cool person to talk to. He's super down to earth, super, you know, he's rad. And it was, and that was like a total disarming of like, I was like, on guard because I was like, oh, of course, of course, he thinks that we just rip them off. He's like, no, we're just ripping off the buscocks, man. Yeah, this has the greatest vibe. Yeah, about and it. I was just like, yes, that's it. Thank that's you. exactly thank what God. it is. Yeah, thank God, that's awesome. <clears throat> so, in your estimation, then, you know, has there any been anybody to you that's kind of come close to holding that like descendants candle, especially when they weren't around? Oh, yeah, I don't. I I don't think so. I don't I, not like, really, right? Yeah, I don't think there's anybody that really, really came close to, to just having that, like perfect, pop sensibility, but also having the hardcore thing like that. You know, <clears throat> I don't know. That was the other thing that we always wanted to be was like, yeah, we want to do, fifteen second hardcore songs, and then also do these like two minute pop punk songs. You know, like right, and that was definitely something that I don't even think of it as us taking it from them, but that we also were, we were taking from both minor threat and green day, you know, like, yeah. And then putting that all together. And, and then it just ended up sounding like the descendants. Yeah. (laughs) Even though, but I don't know, like, yeah. uh, You know, there are the bands that, you know, that like covered that, you know, like, like, or, or like, you know, I don't know, face to face, like took, they yeah. they know that they uh they really were influenced by the descendants but i still don't think any of that stuff sounds like the descendants no no uh, especially the vibe yeah 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 i mean that's it it's it's really is the vibe that uh, you know and i never even really thought about that before but i really i do think the the main comparison between us and them would be like the vibe of like fuck it <laughs> right yeah, yeah let's let's put a jazz part on this because we want to play jazz right now like well that's always what's bizarre to me is that you know i was never a huge west coast punk fan yeah you know so pop punk to me when i was a kid was like no effects right and yeah. i was like oh fuck that shit like i just wasn't into it because it was too silly you know like and it yeah. didn't mean anything to me and i was just like like i don't know i'm from here i'm from new jersey shit sucks like I need like real music, you know? Yeah. And then I really connected with the descendants and I can't for the life of me see what those two bands have anything to do with each other. Right. But they're just still in that genre and it's it's kind of bizarre. I feel like descendants need their own, you know? Were you uh were you an AOD guy? A little. I doubt like, that was that was the band for me and I think even like Joe too, where we Right. We just like we were instantly proud to be from New Jersey once we heard mm. that band, right? right and just right. and they were another band that like they were talking about 
sometimes they were talking about serious subjects, but then they'd, you know, write a song about bugs taking over the world or whatever, you know, like, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, they obviously had a sense of humor, but they were definitely writing, also writing songs that were, that were kind of meaningful too. Yeah. Yeah. But they were also just fucking kick ass and sure. It's like this, this band rules. We want to be like AOD as well. Yeah. And their name was still like kind of kicking around so much when we were kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, actually, it was still present. The first time I heard the word, the first time I heard the letters AOD was at the 96 Warp Tour, Ah. watching No Effects. And they literally, they were like, the only good thing to ever come out of New Jersey is AOD. Oh, shit. And then we had to figure out what AOD was. And then. Wow. (laughs) Wow, I came full circle. Yeah, there it is. That's That's awesome, man. Mikey, I've had you on forever already. So I just want to ask one more question I needed to know from you since uh-huh. you're becoming such a prolific songwriter at this point. And, you know, I want to know, like, how do you want people to walk away from your music? Like, what do you want people to feel like or take from it? Is is there any objective when you're writing songs in that way? I don't know. Uh, not, I mean, I write, I write pop songs. So it's like, I, I want, you know, I, and I write about my, like, certain experiences. I, I, I feel like a lot of times they're pretty veiled and, uh, or, you know, just something that only I really know or care about. Right. Uh, so I just try to make it as, like, catchy as I can. And then hopefully people will, uh, gravitate towards it because of that. Right. But you know, I don't know. I just, I just enjoy writing. So I, so you're not like this is going to make people happy or this is going to make people feel something. It's just I about I've enjoying never re- the music. Yeah, I like, never really think of it that way. Like it, it has. Yeah, I mean, certainly people have come up to me and said that like Erg's songs have gotten through their, gotten them through, you know, tough breakups or you know, so, yeah. whatever. And like that's, I mean, that's I've never. That's that's the most amazing feeling you can ever have is sure someone telling you that like oh. I got through a real bad night because I put your record on, you know, that sure. that, there's yeah. nothing, there's nothing as a musician, you can't hear anything other than, you know, that's the best thing you can hear. So, yeah. you know, I wasn't thinking of that person when I wrote that particular song or whatever. So like, you know, it's hard to say like, Oh yeah, no, I'm trying to get this thing out there. But like, I just enjoy writing songs and I, you know, uh, it, it feels really good when people, uh, people when people get it you know right and so i just like to keep uh keep writing songs and hope that people will dig them well i think they will (laughs) uh i mean i got a chance you know like i I don't know if anyone else complains about this to you but sometimes when i start to scratch the surface i'm like wait where the fuck should i start again with mikey you know because there's (laughs) so much stuff yeah um but really like you know i i dug into the solo stuff a lot when we were, you know, getting ready for this. Yeah. Really fucking good, man. And I think it's getting better and better and it's improving yeah, I mean, in I a lot so. of different ways. And I'm, I think so I'm too. Really like, happy I, for I, you. you know, I think I'm a better, I think I'm a better, I think I know more about songwriting or yeah. can feel, I feel like I'm better, I'm a better songwriter. I, I'm really proud of all the solo records and I, I, I like the way I'm going about it where it's like, it's all, it's all kind of different. Like, 
I'm not just going to throw the same album out again after, you know, you know, one after another, like I, yeah. I kind of, I, just to keep it interesting for me. And that, those are the kind of, you know, my, one of my favorite bands is like the Meat Puppets where literally every single album sounds completely different than the last one. Right. Like, yeah. you know, it's that, that shit is cool to me. Or like Frank Zappa, where it's like every record, no, no two Frank Zappa records sound the same. Sure. Like, and that's, you know, while I'm not taking it to that, extreme (laughs) not yet but i do like the idea of like okay what's it gonna sound like if i record it in a in a rehearsal space but then take it to abbey road to master it what's that gonna sound like (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. like what's it gonna sound like if me and pierce and fid do a record in four hours but then stefan edgerton mixes it and makes it sound like the descendants like what's that gonna sound like you know that's it's all a a big fun experiment that i hope people are along for the ride for (laughs) I love it. Stay curious, man. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Didn't even get to ask Mikey what his favorite grease truck sandwich is. Oh, how'd that happen? We didn't even get it. We barely touched New Brunswick. We mm. got into so much fun stuff. I think barely over the past like six weeks, six to eight weeks, there's been a lot of New Jersey talk in this podcast. I wonder why. <laughs> You didn't know. You started a podcast with one of the <laughs> 12 disciples. The of, champions of, of New Jersey. Saying. Champions Listen, of New Jersey. There's your band. There's your all-star band. Champions of New Jersey. For us who never leave. <laughs> when, when people never leave New Jersey, this place starts to get real small, real quick. You know? And, and that's the case. Both Mikey and I are 40 years in. And not only 40 years in, we're straight central Jersey characters. Right. So we're from we're from the place that north and south jersey doesn't think exists (laughs) you know which kind of gives you this like even more jersey bravado you know because a normal jersey person you're hated by all of america essentially (laughs) especially like new york and connecticut and pennsylvania but when you're from central jersey you get the added bonus of north and south jersey hating you too so it really is the singular experience are you you, are you native jersey americans is that what you would call yourself I think so. Nice. I think that's fair. Yeah. Right. Now, now let me ask you this, Brad. Mm-hmm. Now that you've been so Jersey adjacent for the last couple months and talking to all these characters, you listen to me fucking spout off for like a couple hours a week. What do you think are the consistent themes of a, a New Jerseyan? Diners and tread lightly. <laughs> diners, tread lightly. <laughs> diners, Bon Jovi. Those two things have come up quite a bit. Mm hmm. Um, and they're almost too cliche. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about more like personality wise? Oh, personality wise. What are, what are we? What are we like? I can't self evaluate, you know, <laughs> you don't want to do this. Listen to him. Uh, I don't, I mean, there's definitely something there. I have, um, a couple of really close friends that I've known for a long time who are also Jersey, central Jersey, um, people. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely, yeah, there's a thing. There's a thing for sure. It's hard to so, put it into words, I guess. But mm. I could do it when I didn't, when I don't have more, when I have more time. <laughs> so, I'll okay. think about give, it. Give this one some thought. I'll okay. think about it. Yeah. So I can't wait to hear Mikey's new new album with Steve Albini. Oh yeah. He's probably gonna make like two more albums before we hear that one. I mean, I really like that last one, the one with the Clash. Yeah. Bite cover. Fucking awesome. 
It's great. That's like it's great. Really, that's like right up my alley. That kind of stuff. That's that's mm-hmm. what I liked to listen to when I was a young buck, and I yeah. still do. I still enjoy it. It was great. But it's yeah, like it's great. just the delivery, the content. It's like it's very familiar to me. I like it. Can't wait. Can't wait. And uh, new record without Beanie. I'm sure some touring coming up with Warriors and all the different projects he has. And yeah, keep yeah. an eye out for Mikey. You can follow him at Mikey Erg. Just one word on Instagram and Twitter: M I K E Y E R G. Um, yeah, check out the record. Keep an eye out for him. Go see him. In any of those bands, because they're all great. And um, and I've noticed, Brad, I've noticed something slow down recently. Can I talk about it? Please. You know, I thought, uh, you know, all I was going to have to do is poke the audience once or twice with giving us ratings and reviews, <laughs> and particularly reviews of a sexually suggestive <laughs> nature. I thought this would be a lot of fun for people, you know? and And I really thought that this was going to be a bigger thing, not like viral or something, but I thought one day I'm going to look on the podcast feed. And there's going to be five sexy find just reviews. Five <laughs> sexy reviews. And I crack up laughing. And at some point I meet these people on the road. Like it's funny for me. So if you're up for it and you enjoyed the program, I'd like you to go online. Maybe after you listen to a Teddy Pendergrass album, maybe the new Silk Sonic there you go. Put something nice on. Put something cozy on. Maybe have a sifter of cognac. Just something to settle the mood down. And write us a review. <laughs> and if it, you know, happens to get a little R to X rated, yeah, it's good for me. So please, please, my people, you know, let's have some fun here. All right. That would be All wonderful. Right. Thank you. And thanks for listening. We love you. And uh, see you next week. Love you, everyone. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.